0: I'm a feminist, but... Hello, Pleasance Grand Edinburgh Festival! I'm a feminist, but today, as I was coming into my show, there's no stage door because it's the Edinburgh Festival. And while this is a fabulous venue here, the Pleasance Ground, it's an honour to play it. It's a famous Edinburgh Festival venue. It's huge. It's great. There is no stage door uh, because it's really a gym. And there is no backstage loo because it's really a gym. There's nowhere to sit. People are sitting on a concrete floor's backstage because it's a gym. And uh, so I have to sort of squeeze past the audience going, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. And I got to the top, just to the door, and there was a man and a woman who were clearly guilty of feminist fans, going, but we thought the tickets were for today! And arguing with this usher, and the usher was going, well, no, because, you know... And so I thought, here's my chance to be a feminist hero. <laughs> I said to the usher, look, there's always someone who doesn't turn up, you know, who can't make it across Edinburgh, because their other shows run late or something. I'll just walk them in, and I'm sure we can find them a seat. And then the woman said, but we're here to see Ruby Wax! And I thought, well, fuck you then. (laughs) Seriously, they were here for Ruby fucking Wax. They were arguing with this poor usher who was going, but she doesn't perform here. She's in another venue. And they were like, but we were told it was today. I said, I'm sure it is today, but I'm not Ruby Wax. I'm sorry to be so disappointing. And they were like, well, who are you? And I was like, if you don't know, you're at the wrong venue. (laughs) Hashtag feminism. (laughs) Love Ruby Wax, sisterhood. I'm a feminist, but...
2: Even I think this outfit is too empowered. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw myself in the mirror, I was like, fuck's sakes. <laughs> I look like I'm auditioning for GLOW, don't I?
0: <laughs> oh my God, please be auditioning for GLOW, Kiri Pritchard and Clayton, <laughs> I would.
2: Gl- I would, I'd happily smash oh. Kate Nash into the floor. That- uh, in a sexy way, not in a weird way.
0: <laughs> oh, I thought <laughs> you meant to get the part and I thought that's not feminine. I'll so- do it, I'll kill her, I'll no. do it. That's not, that's not I'm a feminist Bart, that's homicide. <laughs> Those things are different. <laughs> I'm a feminist Bart. For ages, I didn't know who Lizzo was, but- Get I, out. I, I, I understand, this, this will obviously be my last episode from, the, from, the, from that gas. But I pretended I did, because all of these badass feminist women spoke to me assuming I did. I kept thinking, oh, I must look her up, I must look her up, because of the way they were talking about her and kept forgetting to, and then someone else had mentioned her, I think, oh God, I still haven't looked her up. And you can't just slide your phone out from under the table and quickly Google Lizzo and go, well, be going, yeah, she's such an inspiration. But the first time it happened, someone referred to her as the Queen, and I assumed that Lizzo was a nickname for <laughs> Queen Elizabeth II. I thought the crown has done her the world of good. <laughs> the world of good.
2: Uh, I'm a feminist, but I got added into a WhatsApp group the other day with 156 other women.
0: Oh, I'm sorry for your
2: loss. Uh, it was called Hindu madness and oh. I've never felt so alone in my whole fucking life people on their hen do? Well, it was one of those ones where they had multiple Hindus. Why? Every layer is more unbearable, isn't it? Um, it's because that they are, like, from South Wales. They went to university in Liverpool, but they now live in Leeds, so it was sort of like, there was, like, 3 Hindus. It was disgusting.
0: Oh, for one bride? For one bride. Oh, I thought you meant 3 Hindus had joined up or something. No,
2: no, no, this was one bride's, like...
0: So How will she survive 3 Hindus though?
2: <laughs> she, she did she... all right. She's Shh. from South Wales. She can really yeah, knock but back the pints. She's she must... must...
0: a good lass. You'd have to start in good health, wouldn't you? <laughs> (laughs) I would go for a doctor's check, Um, a full medical, before I went on three of my own hen nights. I'm a feminist, but I have been quite sick this fringe. Um, It's all right, it's all right. It's just, um, I nearly said lady problems then, because I thought there are men present. Um, (laughs) Cis men need to know, women menstruate. So, sometimes I get a high temperature and a sore throat. With Does anyone else get that? Yeah, like a weird hormonal illness. So I've been struck down uh, with the feminist plague, and, <laughs> and so I've just been cancelling like my other little gigs that I was doing and sort of going home to bed and I have been sad to miss all these feminist shows that I've been invited to in Edinburgh which I've been invited to a lot of feminist shows and I really have been sad but in another way I have also been in my hotel room watching Mad Men and <laughs> in a way I can recommend that more uh, than the feminist fringe uh, because it's cheaper less exhausting and there's room service <laughs> Have you got
2: another one? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm a feminist, but if we go to war with Russia and they bring back conscription, you'll find me in the kitchen on my fucking mouth shut.
0: <laughs> Are we ready to start the show? <laughs> then welcome, welcome, welcome to the Guilty Feminist live from the Edinburgh Fringe at the Pleasance. This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. I'm Deborah Frances White, with me is Carrie Pritchard-McLean, and we're talking about big. The Tom Hanks film. It's a feminist deconstruction of the Tom Hanks film Big that only has two women in it. the mother who is written out after scene one and is just left alone to fret about her kidnapped child. We don't care because it's fun watching him bounce around on a floor piano. Uh, The other woman, the other woman is a woman who is unconsensually sleeping with a child. Yeah. She, like, he's in an adult's body but, I mean, it's very dodgy territory. He's a vulnerable adult, I would have said, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. that sounds like he you should have like a, a support worker.
2: Definitely, someone stopping. He's a that. child yeah. who's
0: been magicked into a grown-up's body through some very creepy uh, festival machinery. Yeah, um, Zoltan uh, is it? Zoltar? Zoltar. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, someone's so like, yeah. I think some people are frightened this is genuinely going to be the show. That was a, <laughs> it was a joke and we've now we've now strayed into it. But I think it does bear some examination yeah. that this child, and it's because it's a West End musical at the moment, big as a what? West End musical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every single movie you've ever liked is now a West End musical, <laughs> um, destroyed by unnecessary songs and people who don't look like the people. And they are saying the lines slightly differently to make them their own and that's not what we want. We don't want them no. to make them right. We want it to be Tom Hanks as he was then, dancing around on a piano. But he can't because he's 75 or something. Yeah, I and mean, slip probably, a hip. He probably isn't that old, but he's something. He's not what he was.
2: And he's doing all right, to be fair.
0: He's doing all right, yeah. to be fair. But I feel like <laughs> if a child was catapulted into the body of a septuagenarian, that would be a different sort of story, wouldn't it? I mean, he'd learn more. (laughs) He'd learn more. um, He'd appreciate his youth more.
2: Do you think so? Do you think he would come back and be like, thank God I can get up without making a noise? That kind of thing.
0: Well, if right now, Kiri, you or I were catapulted into the body of our own body at 75, when we came back, we'd be like, I'm so flexible, I'm so mobile, I'm so hot, and we'd just be like running around and getting our top off. I think, you know, the same way that if I knew at 25 what I know now I would have had a better time oh
2: yeah like when you look back at yourself and you're like when you you remember being obsessed as like a teenager being like I wasn't so fat and you look at yourself and you're like you had no idea what was coming (laughs) no idea I would kill
0: to be that fat now also nothing wrong with being fat it's just another thing to be.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I don't use it as a pejorative at all. It's like saying, like, short sure, or whatever. And it's quite hard, isn't it? Because we've been conditioned to think that fat is a negative word. And um, so whenever I describe myself as a fat woman, I always say, women in particular, they're like, best friend reflex kicks in. And they're like, yeah, so being a fat woman, and they are like they want to go like, you're not fat, you're beautiful.
0: <laughs> yeah, I could yeah, be yeah. both.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah i 've been a lot of weights i 've been through as many weights as a Hollywood star searching for an oscar and <laughs> I, I have been definitely sexier and more sure of myself at heavier weights and Uh, much more vulnerable and unsure of myself at lighter weights but I've also felt sexy and hot at lighter weights and really terrible at bigger weights I don't think it really correlates very much it's much more about what's going on in your life and your head Yeah. but we do feel like it's some kind of metric uh, for success but I'm sure I would nail being 21 now really? oh I would smash it I was terrible at being 21. I was a Jehovah's Witness. I was so dowdy. Crikey. I was dowdy. I was knocking on doors. I was virginal. I was, didn't know myself at all. It was a sad, sad time. So what I'm saying is if I could get back in a time machine and go back and be 21, or if I could suddenly... Do you know what I'd love? This is my idea. This is my fantasy idea. And maybe there's a science fiction story in this. I think, right, everyone only gets an opportunity to wake up and have 365 goes of being... 10 or 21 or 39 or whatever. It doesn't matter how powerful you are, how rich you are. You get 365 goes at waking up and being 21. Wouldn't it be great if you could save 20 of them in a bank and then just pull them out later, like when you're 42 or something, and just go, I would like to spend 20 of my days being 21 now. Wouldn't that be awesome? no.
2: I think I'd hate it because you also have to have chit-chat with 21-year-olds and you have to put well lads coming up in the nightclubs asking you what you got in your (laughs) (laughs) A-levels that's true that is the only
0: thing isn't it and
2: also them like pummeling away at you being like they've not learnt yet
0: no but As my 21-year-old self, what I would do now, I think, is I would dress up in some fabulous, like, one of those sort of creations where, you know, you've got sort of like a really low back and it's obviously not wearing a bra and stuff. Oh, yeah. And your breasts are sort of all pointing to the sky. Yeah, Of their own accord. (laughs) And with no tape or anything, they're just looking upwards with hope. And... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the optimism, looking at the stars, um, or what's a heaven for, etc. I'd go and sit in a really classy bar where there's older men who are thinking, oh my God, they've got, I don't know, stuff going on. Divorces. <laughs> yes. Yeah, They've just been divorced, so they're ready to roll. Or they're in the middle of a divorce. It doesn't matter. I'm only there for 10 days. It's not my problem and then it's like big but a fantasy one for women in reverse (laughs) there is the movie in this isn't there um not a good one but definitely definitely a saleable one who could play the 21 year old me oh i wish i knew people's names lizzo (laughs) yeah oh my god that would be amazing queen lizzo people always say i look like um uh what's her name is it lena Headley or from game of thrones what is that her name She's the one in the Game of Thrones. I don't watch Game of Thrones, but she's the one in Game of Thrones. You could tell by the way I call it the Game of Thrones. Uh, you can, she's the one in Game of Thrones who's shagging a brother. People have said it to me, but it makes me feel sad because I think what you're saying is she's a hot version of me.
2: What do you think? Yeah. Maybe they're just saying you look like you would bang your brother.
0: <laughs> we should probably get on with the show, I think. Um, <laughs> Uh, alright so we're talking about big uh, the reason we're talking about this is I just feel it's the fringe this is a place to be big At the fringe is three and a half weeks where you can you're allowed to be artificially big if you're a performer you just pretend you're big don't you people come up here they've never done a show in their lives and they're just like yeah I am. this is brilliant and everyone sells themselves everyone dresses up in crazy costumes you know you're backstage and you're standing there between someone dressed as a dragon and somebody else dressed as little Bo Peep <laughs> and both of them are just having a chat about how you know one of them got a four star review but it read like a five. Mm-hmm it's a brilliant place people on the street literally nowhere else in the world do people come up to you with a picture of their face and go you'll be needing this it's just it's it's actual insanity the fringe you literally staple compliments people have given you on websites to pictures of your own face And then you go up to somebody else and go, would you like to read the nice thing someone else said about me? It's stapled to this picture of me. And as you can see, it's a very good picture done in excellent lighting by an expert photographer because I look nothing like this now. I look sweaty, like I've walked up a hundred hills. I look disappointed. I've stapled these stars on, but I have not stapled on the two-star reviews that said I should never have come. I've just... I've, they, but you can see those in the tracks of my tears <laughs> that's the fringe but it's a place where i think in a way feminism can you can learn something or you can learn something as a feminist here because women are often trained to apologize or to make themselves diminutive small literally diet to make themselves smaller hunch over giggle at other people's jokes there's none of that here it's all come and laugh at my jokes come and see me come and and even as an audience member i think walking around you're allowed to be louder you're allowed to put on a silly hat
2: yeah you
0: know Don't,
2: I mean? no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's totally, I think that about you the fringe. You are not in
0: a position to tell anyone <laughs> not to put on a hat. Please, you you're are...
2: demeaning yourself in that hat.
0: You, you are literally, in a, the <laughs> podcast listeners can't hear this, but you are lis- literally in a sequined... Swimsuit, should we say? Sequined swimsuit. Yeah. We should have said this for the I'm a Feminist bar. You're in a sequined swimsuit,
2: Yeah. tights. Mm-hmm. Two pairs, because I've got varicose veins. Hold those boners down. <laughs> I'm a feminist butt <laughs> and I've got some like, hologram green platforms yes don't mind if I do absolutely some spectacular eyelashes yeah. earrings go uh, big on that I've made my hair big because I've never done one of these before so I was quite nervous and that's what I do I'm like an
0: animal I make my hair big when I'm scared <laughs> 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 would never occur to me you would never, because you're the most natural performer I've ever seen that's
2: kind but it's uh, like just never done it before I didn't know, um, didn't know what the vibe was going to be it's fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's always fun. We've all got lovely guilty feminist listeners. It always feels like a big hug coming and doing this show. Yes, because lovely. you are the best podcast listeners. Slash, is it a word to say fans? That seems arrogant. But you're the best, you're the best, you're the best tribe of amazing people and feminists I could possibly think of. Uh, so thank you so much for coming and listening and bringing somebody today if you did. We don't really have flyers at the Fringe because you tell people. That's so lovely. I know. They stick stars to my face. <laughs> to right, bring their own flyers. Bring their own flyers. Bet uh, Ruby Wax has got flyers, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Ruby Wax is brilliant. I love Ruby Wax. She did Secret Policeman last year for us, and she was fantastic. Last year at the Fringe, I had it's a, a sort of
2: in the same area. I was down at the print shop just there, and last year I did a really sort of like emotionally draining show, and it was like the second day in, and it was the first time I've ever had that thing where I was like, I can't do it. Like i couldn 't remember the show. I was finding it too difficult to do, um, so I was like, "You can do it." And I was like, "Just go and buy a notebook, and then everything will be all right." Um, yeah. yeah, does, yeah. stationery yeah. does Stationery so. does it. it calms you down and it puts your center you. That's why they call it stationery. <laughs> so I got this notebook and I went and I didn't have a pen so I went in my pocket and I just had like 15p went in the little print shop there was a buyer there for exactly 15p I was like amazing and I just hosted the press launch in here and I was wearing always oh, something ridiculous and shiny there were three girls in front of me they were having a chat they were talking about the press launch and then I came up in conversation I was literally stood behind them and they were like oh I like the girl and the shiny stuff and I was like oh. Here it comes. (laughs) And then I felt really uncomfortable that I was listening into a conversation about them. They were like, oh, she's really funny. I was just about to tap one of them on the shoulder and go, this is really weird and Aggie, I'm stood right behind you. And then the last one went, oh, yeah, she's really good, but I've heard she's a fucking bitch. I was like... (gasps) "Oh!" It was awful, and then I went and a uh, true story. I went to the restaurant, I had a dinner on my own, and was crying. And uh, someone, someone turned around to tap me and said, "Can you keep it down, please?" Oh! <laughs> but it was actually uh, the lovely uh, Steen Raskopoulos it was doing it as a joke, as to sort of like he'd seen me and I hadn't, I hadn't seen him when I sat down. So he turned. Around, I just turned around, covered in tears. He's like, "Oh God, what have I done?" Oh. <laughs> and then when I went to pay, the waiter was like, "He's paid for your dinner for you."
0: Oh. Good egg, right? Yeah. Well, that's a lovely story of fringe compassion. Please remember, if you see a performer yeah. and they look anything less than ecstatically happy, <laughs> pay for their meal. Yeah. Are you ready for some stand-up comedy? Please welcome to the stage the one, the only, the incredible Kerry Pritchard (laughs) McCain!
2: It's uh, interesting to talk about big as a topic because um, I'm quite a big lass, always sort of have been and uh, I I quite like it, I quite like it. Um, It brings with it a load of weird baggage. Like obviously there's unrealistic expectations um, put on women's bodies and if you're a fat lass there's another layer of it as well. I think I often have the unrealistic expectation put on me to be jolly. Um, That's not really my scene actually. It's a weird thing, a weird byproduct. Often people will say, uh, I've got big tits. That's the side effect, right? Got big knockers. That is a side effect of being a fatter girl. And uh, people talk about them, people sexualize them without your consent. That's a weird area to be in. It makes you want to be smaller. I get people saying, I sort of invite her. They're like, we always wear low cut tops. I'm like, I don't. This is just the shape of a top when you put some tits as heavy as mine in them. <laughs> 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 It's It's like how my cousin thinks that... He's like, whoa, every pub I go into is rough. And it's like, cos you're fucking in it, mate, that's why. (laughs) I'd love to wear, like, high-neck stuff, but I can't... Cos for some reason I look, and I don't know why it's this combination, but if I wear something with a high neck, I look hench and Dutch. I don't know why, (laughs) I just do. And it's a weird thing, cos they're just sort of always there, and, you know, like they get a lot of attention. And it's a weird thing, you get taxed on it, because... Bras cost more, proper bras. Because you can't just buy any bra when you've got tits like this, right? I wish you could, but you've got to, like, go specialist. And by that, I mean Marks and Spencers. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I have to get a bra that basically looks like it was forged by a blacksmith under a full moon. That's what I'm dealing with. And when I've been bra shopping with my girls who've got, like, lovely, pert little tits, like, they'll just pick up a bra and it'll fit them. And they always give them names. I don't know if you know this, that bras, they give them names. My friends' bras will always be called things like Tina or Maria. They give them the names of girls that used to bully you at school. That's what they do. The girls who carried a Jane Norman bag, those bitches. <laughs> Didn't know how the word bitches would go, but you're fine with it, so I'm all right. <laughs> And I, I went into Marxist the other day, I needed a bra to go with a specific dress, right, for this wedding. Uh, so I picked up a bra, I was like, this is perfect. Uh, took, it, <laughs> took it to this hill, and, uh, you know, when you scan it through, the name flashed up. What was it called? Doreen. Hey-oh! <laughs> I feel like I'm two cup sizes away from a Keith, for fuck's sake. It means you, like, inadvertently take up... space. You don't realise, but it's like... People take it as like a sexual thing and they get attention and, and sometimes that's the thing, that these big things are the things that make you want to be small. It's strange, because it's never attention from people you want. It's never like, oh, you know who loves big tits? Philosophers who do loads of voluntary work. It's never that. <laughs> <laughs> Three types of people that are into big tits, i found. Gay guys. Big fan, you're no use to me. <laughs> Got enough friends. Women you don't know in nightclub toilets. <laughs> and lads, but these lads, hey, 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 those lads who are, let's face it, explosively homosexual underneath it all. But girls in nightclubs especially. I had a girl come up to me in a nightclub, in a nightclub toilet, and she goes, "Uh, can I just touch them? (laughs) I said, I feel a bit weird about it, mate. And she went, I just want to put my finger down the gap in the middle. I was like, well, firstly, babe, there's no gap. (laughs) And secondly, it's really sweaty. (laughs) And she went, I still want to do it. I was like, fine, if that's what you want. And I was like, what the fuck is she, was she trying to get a ring loose? What's she up to? <laughs> they're always there, like they're always there and they're always, you don't realize that they're always the thing that people look at. Yesterday, in fact, someone went, I'm really sorry I keep looking at your tits. It's like a magic eye. <laughs> I was like, a dolphin's not going to pop out. What are you expecting? <laughs> And it is, it's a strange, they are always there just in front of you, which means, that for me as well, like, things fall down all the time, right? I'm a messy eater. I don't know what's going to fall out at the end of the day when I take my breath. No idea. This is essentially a meaty bib. That's what it is. And that is my drag name, you're right, Yeah. And by the way, that's the only good thing about having big boobs is the bigger the boobs, the better the feeling at the end of the day when you take your breath. <gasps> if there's any heterosexual couples here and the lads are like, I'm not sure if I'm doing it for my girl in the bedroom. Listen to the noise she makes as she takes her breath at the end of the day. If it's anywhere near the same area, you're fucking smashing it, lad. Don't you worry. <laughs> Honestly, I've got no idea what's going to fall out. Like, I've taken off my bra before and at the end of the day. A whole bourbon has fallen out. <laughs> I've not even had biscuits that day. Where the fuck's that come from? I don't know what to expect. Fucking Michael Barrymore's career, Nazi gold. I don't know what's under there. And the thing is that, like I say, the people who do appreciate them—it's never worth it. The people who are like, "Hey, hey, those lads!" Right? On the odd occasion, I've had to take one of these gentlemen home because that's all that's left. <laughs> it never pays off because, like, you know, the, uh, the ultra masculine thing of like—they never think like, "How can I please a woman's body?" They're like, "How can a fucker that would impress my mates?" <laughs> like, you can tell that they're imagining their friends in the room, like you're a BMX, and they're like, "Spin it by the handles!" Like, it's. <laughs> Just a weird thing, it's a weird thing. So like, you know, taken take them back and the same thing always happens, right? You take your top off, they see you in your bra, Oy! and I told you to be quiet, it's sexier. <laughs> and then you take your bra off and you see the color drain from their face. And you can hear them thinking, they're longer than I thought. But because of toxic masculinity, they can't back down with that shit. So you can see them psyching themselves up, like... Like it's a penalty shootout, like, come on. Shouldn't have jumped, should I? And they're just sort of wandering around it, eyeing it up, like it's flat pack furniture, and they're not sure where to start. And then they all use a technique, they use the same technique that I like to call the snow globe, which is where they grab it, thinking it's wider than I thought as well. They grab it, and then they just shake it like that. Like it's a piggy bank and there's still a pound inside. That's never done anything for anyone, has it? There's no woman out there who's like, you know what I love? The feeling of having one tit on a dodgem. That's what I love. (laughs) That's it, thanks.
0: I just need to tell you that I am coming to the United States of America to do The Guilty Feminist live in a series of locations. On the 2nd of January, we're in Boston. Then we're in New York on the 4th and 5th of January, Philadelphia, Chicago, Toronto, Vancouver, San Francisco, Seattle and L.A. That's right, we're coming to Canada too. We've got some great co-hosts confirmed, including Beth Stalling, Jenna Friedman and Jenny Slate. For all dates and a book, go to guiltyfeminist.com. Do it Do it now. The Australian and New Zealand tour starts on the 7th of February in Sydney, then Brisbane, the Gold Coast, Melbourne, Christchurch, Wellington and Auckland for all dates. And to book, go to guiltyfeminist.com. On Saturday, the 7th of March, we will be recording our 200th episode at the Royal Festival Hall as the headline show of the 10th Women of the World Festival. This is too exciting. Go to southbankcentre.co.uk for tickets. It's going to be a big one. The UK Guilty Feminist Tour starts off on the 1st of May with a huge spectacular at the Eventim Apollo. Then we're off to Brighton, Ipswich, Hull, Guildford, Nottingham, Salford, York, Norwich, Halifax, High Wycombe, Woking, Richmond, Aylesbury, Crawley, Watford, Southend, Coventry, Oxford, Glasgow, Plymouth, Birmingham, Bournemouth, Sheffield, Cardiff and Newcastle. The UK tour show unlike the Australian, New Zealand, American and Canada shows, will not be recorded. They will be live only. So get tickets now. Go to guiltyfeminist.com. Don't forget to choose love this Christmas. Buy something for a refugee. It could save their life. People are very cold and they can really die of exposure. So go to choose.love if you can possibly afford it, even if you can afford three quid and buy something now. And also, don't forget about Crisis and Shelter and other people who need your help. Please, everybody, have a very guilty Christmas and a Feminist 2020. Back to the podcast. I am going to... I thought I'd put some fodder into the episode by doing some research. Ooh, hello. It's a new thing I'm doing. I just want to throw two women onto the table. Like you're auditioning for GLOW. Yeah. (laughs) Throw two women on the table that you might not have heard about that went big. And this is in honour of the Edinburgh Festival. Because both of these women were actors or performers turned to suffragette. And I believe one of them is me and one of them is you. Okay. (laughs) The first one, this is me, is Muriel Matters. What a fucking great name already. An amazing name, Muriel Matters. And Muriel does matter. So Muriel Matters was born in Australia. And in fact, she was born and raised in Adelaide. And in Adelaide, uh, you could vote in the late 1800s. Women could vote in the late 1800s. I mean, you couldn't because you weren't born. but <laughs> But women could. So when she came over to the UK she was really horrified that women couldn't vote. So she became a massive suffragette. And she brought her show business skills because, of course, you know, a lot of suffragette staff was serious and in some cases uh, violent. I mean, they did try for decades being not violent. That didn't work. So did she look at it all and go, what this needs is a
2: musical theatre number?
0: Yes, <laughs> basically. She thought, if I can borrow Kiri Pritchard-McLean's sequin jumpsuit slash swimsuit, it's <laughs> going to be all fine. Uh, so what she did uh, is she went into the House of Commons where there was a women's gallery, so the women could watch. I mean, obviously they couldn't participate, speak, vote, or have anything to do with it, but I suppose they were just there to fan themselves and and look. Yeah, laugh at the men's jokes. Exactly. So what she did... Uh, is with another suffragette called Helen Fox. They chained themselves to the grill of the ladies' gallery. Then they started shouting out about suffrage. And, of course, when they came to remove them, they couldn't because they were tied on. So they called a blacksmith uh, (laughs) to detach the women from the ironwork. At the same time, someone called Violet Tillard lowered a proclamation to the politicians below using pieces of string as part of the show... And a man from the Strangers Gallery uh, threw handbills onto the floor of the Parliament because he was an ally, hashtag not all men. As and and is, th- is at sea venues, you say. Yes. Yeah. She was imprisoned for this uh, in Holloway Jail and was sentenced to one month. But then when she came out, she thought, let's go bigger, even bigger. <laughs> so do you know what she did? She hired a dirigible. A dirigible, if you don't know, is like a hot air balloon or a blimp. And she said, right, we're going to take it over the House of Commons, it's going to have votes for women written on the side, and then we're going to throw pamphlets out onto the House of Commons. So it'll suddenly be raining pamphlets about votes for women onto the men walking into the House of Commons below. Brilliant idea, I think we can all agree. It's However, due to the wind not being in her favour and being on the side of the patriarchy, <laughs> it ended up... Sweeping over Wormwood Scrubs Prison for men, and they got all the leaflets, and they were like, all right, mate, but we can't vote either, we're in prison. Um, But her balloon tactic made headlines all around the world, not for all the right reasons, but at the same time, it did help the cause, because it got so much publicity, and then she would go back to Australia and do lecture tours, and one of the things she was lecturing about, that we've got to help Britain get the vote, which is a bit embarrassing, that Australians were trying to help Britain <laughs> get the vote uh, but there it is so she used her, all of her show business flair and to the end of her life she started working with the Labour Party when women had the vote she started working with the Labour Party and she was a social activist all the way to the end of her life and do you know when she died she was born in the, um, the late 1800s she didn't die till 1969 what? yeah which I think is a saucy year to have died. <laughs> um, yeah, she was really super old. Now, the one I think you are, I think that's me, because I was born in Australia, and I was... Def- you're going to live forever. Yeah, and Susie would come when I jumped out of a plane. That's very similar to doing a dirigible. Oh, god. Okay, so the one that I think you are is, are you secretly German? Does Welsh count? No, but you said before that you look Dutch sometimes. Yeah, I'll take that. Right, okay. There's a woman called Caterina Maria Schaefer uh, who arrived in London at the age of 15. This bit, I'm not quoting to anybody, but she had to run away because her mother died when she was an infant and her father was absolutely horrible. And so uh, she ran away. So she was basically a refugee. And she moved uh, to East London because she had an aunt and uncle here. She quickly learned English and then immediately went to the music hall. Yes, please. Um, and she changed her name uh, to Kitty Marion which is a little bit like Kiri. Yeah, I'll take that, yeah. Uh, She was mesmerised by the world. She had a very diverse group of friends, including the son of a Chinese diplomat who gave her her first cigarette. That's a very specific piece of information, isn't
2: it? Weirdly, that is the only thing that's exactly
0: like me. (laughs) So she met all these amazingly sexually liberated women, but she didn't actually have a women's rights activism part to her portfolio until she had uh, what some scholars have called a Me Too moment. She was assaulted by a music hall agent whom she referred to only as Mr. Dreck, which is German for Mr. Trash. Nice. Yeah. And so it was at that point that she joined the WSPU, uh, the Women's Social and Political Movement, and she went to jail loads of times. And she learned, this was her theatricality that she brought to it, she made the most spectacular bombs. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah, really good bombs. And she made them with... She only bought things from hardware shops. She didn't get anything illegal. She would go to a hardware shop and she taught herself how to make a bomb. And there were no YouTube videos then. Wow. She was the YouTube video Just for... Just did it all herself. ...household-made bombs. Homemade bombs. So
2: she did it all at home herself? Yeah. Like a terrorist Kirsty sub. Just...
0: That's exactly who she was. Wow. She was the German terrorist Kirsten (laughs) Olsson. Her Um, greatest legacy. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And had there been YouTube, I mean, you could imagine the videos she'd made. She made sort of basically sequined bombs. So I think she is you. She didn't kill anyone with the bombs. The suffragettes didn't kill... Fun bombs. Relax, like a bath bomb. Relax. (laughs) She didn't kill any wealth of bombs. They did bombs to disturb things and to disrupt. They weren't killer bombs, but they were... uh, I mean, it did work. Um, It didn't work immediately. It worked because uh, the First World War came, and then everyone went, shall we just hold off on the bombs until after First World War because probably enough bombs? And... uh, (laughs) Emily Pankhurst went, we won't have a country to vote in unless we help with the First World War effort. So they didn't call it the First World War then because they didn't know they are going to be a second one. (laughs) And uh, then after the First World War, they said, all right, women can vote because they didn't want the terrorism to start up again. They didn't want to be seen to be giving in to terrorists. But after the First World War, they went, why don't we say it was for your efforts to the war? But really, they were like, we don't know how to control this. So it was stuff like dirigibles and bombs and chaining themselves to the grills that did do it. So these women were big... Yeah. They were successful. Yeah. Yeah. They were theatrical. Yeah. They changed the world. They made themselves bigger. And some of them were fat. Some of them were fat. Yeah, I've seen pictures. I've seen
2: pictures.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I saw a picture um, of this amazing looking woman who was a fat suffragette, but she lost two stone because of hunger strikes. Really? And I was like, I felt sad about it. Yeah. I thought, I hope she put the weight back on. Yeah. She looked
2: formidable. That's the thing about diets. It just... Goes upon again, doesn't it? I
0: mean, that's. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's time to bring out our guests.
3: <laughs> um... <laughs>
0: Our guests today are two wonderful theatre makers at this year's Edinburgh Fringe. Fatty Fat Fat is a provocative solo show about living in a body the world tells you to hate. Pink Lemonade explores masculinity, fetishism, sexuality and gender identity unapologetically. Please welcome their creators to the stage, Katie Greenall and Micah Johnson! micah hello hi are you having good fringe
4: yes yeah it's going well yeah excellent katie hello hello are you having fun at the fringe yeah i've just sprinted straight off stage so i'm feeling a bit sweaty and but i'm pleased to be here this is great fun. Yeah. lovely
0: okay so micah can you tell us a little bit about what the fringe is
5: like for you in terms of being big is this a place where you feel you can be big I feel like, yes, it, it is a place that I can be big, but also it's quite overwhelming to be black and to be trans in a predominantly white, cis city. But um, Edinburgh. <laughs> 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 but, you know, it's a good opportunity for me and for the show to have a platform. And honestly, I just want as many audience members to come and see the show as possible, because I think it's an important piece of work and I think people can take stuff away from that. And you do performance poetry? Yeah, the show um, has elements of poetry and, like, movement and then it's underscored with, like, beats and then there's, like, a monologue through the show so it's, like, a play with, like, all these different elements to it. God, that sounds brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. What's
0: it like... If you go flyering here, I saw actually a piece written by a person of colour one year saying it's really hard to flyer and I saw somebody else who was white saying no it isn't Um, (laughs) and saying no because it's an international festival and everyone will be delighted with you being black and (laughs) the black person said that's not my experience and it also Hmm. can be quite intimidating because the fringe is so crowded I think so this is a massive swelling crowd that is so predominantly white and a friend of mine who's a black actress she went to RADA She sort of you know, very used to being in a very theatrical white environment, but she said at the fringe she finds it quite intimidating. She said, I get my latte and I go and stand in the queue for the play <laughs> and think, I can be here. I'm allowed to be here. And I'm like, I so surprised me when I heard that, but actually it makes so much sense.
5: Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, <laughs> it's quite I mean, it's scary. Yeah, it's overwhelming. I think it's difficult to kind of just, you know, approach people in the street. You don't know whether they're gonna like if your is gonna be their vibe, if they're gonna be into it, what they're gonna to say to you, like the questions that are gonna come out of their mouth. So yeah, it can be quite an intimidating situation. The best strategy that I found now is like trying to find all the queer shows, (laughs) all the trans shows, all the shows made by black and people of colour to exit flyer because I feel like if people are in them shows, then they're supporting them shows. And so it's more than likely that they'll come and see Pink Lemonade. It kind of takes the edge off my anxiety a little bit (laughs) when it comes to Mm flying.
0: Have you had anyone saying anything that you found uh, unsettling?
5: The first man I gave a fly to said, "Um, why have you caught your hair off? Like in my poster with my face on. With all the clips of the stars and the <laughs> comments, um, he said, "Yeah, why have you cut your hair off?" And then it's like you're having to go into this part of yourself. It's just like here's my flyer, this is my show. Like, you don't want to kind of go into all these personal details about your about self. About being trans. So then yeah, you have yeah. to explain transness to someone who might not, exactly. not understand it, which yeah.
0: it might feel very personal to do on the street.
5: Yeah, actually, what I will say is if you kind of want to know about that, then come and see the show. Yeah, buy a <laughs> yeah. ticket, motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm. And why is it called Pink Lemonade? Initially, the title came from um, me, because I'm exploring masculinity in the show. And I really like the colour pink. And for so long, pink kind of felt like it was a very feminine colour to me. So that's the reason it's called pink. And the reason it's called Lemonade is because in Nottingham, where I'm from, people used to call lesbians lemons. Oh. So that's where the two titles came from when I put them together, and Pink Lemonade. You've made, much like Beyonce, you've made Lemonade. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't really compare myself to Beyonce anymore. <laughs> no, that's for me to do.
4: <laughs> I have the same birthday as Basically, Beyonce. if you oh miss
5: Micah's show,
0: you've missed the non-binary Beyonce, is what, I've, is what I've learned. And Katie, can you tell us about Fatty Fat Fat? Uh,
4: so I have a show, yeah, Fatty Fat Fat, which is my uh, solo show about living in a fat body and how to navigate the world as a fat person, uh, how to take up space in a world that doesn't want to make any room. And so, yeah, it's built around some anecdotes from my life where my relationship with my body has changed because of other people's interactions with it. So things that maybe happened when I was younger with, like, my mother and other people in my family or people in public space kind of intersected with bits of spoken word about where I'm at right now in my uh, journey with my body and my fat acceptance and also some games, including a game where I put Skittles in my chins and count how many I can hold. And um, What's your PB, mate? Uh, my PB is, it's uh, 27. Woo! Yeah. And as uh, you were doing your piece about things in your bar, Kiri, I found a Skittle in my bra <laughs> that's melted to my left tit. Oh. That's going to so, be a lovely
2: pick-me-up when yeah. you take it up tonight. A little snack, yeah.
4: Yeah.
0: Um, can you tell us any of the stories? Is there an example of a story that you could tell us about other people's relationship with your body and how that changes your relationship with your body or the world?
4: Yeah. The show starts with me doing the cha-cha slide for a long time, which is a forgotten banger of the past. Mate, working-class weddings haven't forgotten. <laughs> what, what is it? The cha-cha slide. What's that? Get no. Um, can No. Can you show me? Um... You might have to narrate, Kiri. Uh, Can you do it? Okay. 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 Oh, God. Or, like, I'll try and do both at the same yeah. time. Okay. Uh, so it goes. I've had a lot recently. <laughs> this is something new, the Casper slide part two, featuring the platinum band, Alista. And we're gonna get funky, yeah. And then everyone claps your hands and basically prescribes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Slide to the left. Slide to the right. crisscross, cross criss-cross, cha yeah. yeah, and it goes on like
2: that. It's like a modern Macarena.
4: Yeah. Wow
0: yeah. I'm, I'm loving that It that was great that.
4: Um, So when people come in they should expect you to be doing that as they walk in <laughs> Yes I'm doing that in a very small room in the Pleasance Courtyard <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it's very sweaty um, so I'm already exhausted by the time the audience even got sat down and then we brainstormed some great party tunes um, So far everyone has said um, Saturday Night which is bizarre so maybe that's uh. an Edinburgh favourite And then I tell a story about how I was obsessed with the cha-cha slide. And when I was nine, my mum bought me this CD and I was so excited. And she said, here you go. Um, You can put it in your Walkman and use it as an exercise tape. So how, so yeah, that sort of, (laughs) it's a lot of stories like that, um, where you think it's going one way and then it sort of has that little twitch. So the cha-cha slide, yeah, will always be thought of like, as a part Davina McCall workout for me. Yeah.
2: Are you an? Do act- you consider an, a- an actor? Is that how you?
4: I generally say performer. Yeah. Just because I don't really play anyone other than myself. Sure. Um, oh, I tell feel me about similarly. It, Who's yeah. better?
2: <laughs> Why am <laughs> <might> I going to pretend <laughs> to be someone else? This is the role of a
0: lifetime. Literally. Yeah, exactly. It's fundamentally an unfeminist act to pretend to be someone less good than me. That's what <laughs> <Yeah>. I think. because <laughs> well, I find,
2: like, in particular actors, but performers as well, there is like a body type that's expected. And if you don't fit into it, you immediately become a political act. Do you find that
4: totally? And I think one of the reasons why I started making the show is when I left drama school, I was not thin enough to be the like the girl next door or the average Joe, but I was too thin to be like the fat one because I'm not fat enough to like go on some show about losing loads of weight and being the new like high school sweetheart and there were just all these parts coming through that like on seeing advertised that I could never go for because I don't fit any of them and so I've never really seen um, fat stories told on stage as much as I would love to there are some artists doing some amazing things and comedians and people taking up space all over the shop but it felt really important to sort of do my bit to take up that space.
2: Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because with fat, just like so many other things, that in a casting it has to be specified. Yeah. Like it has to be like we're looking for a fat performer yeah. that would not put you forward for like a normal role mm. because we're be like, oh no, she's not fat. Like I didn't imagine a fat. Mm. Like we well, got shit imagination then. <laughs> you?
0: Yeah. I've heard people using straight size now to yeah. suggest uh, so as to distinguish. Um, if you need someone straight size say straight size if you need someone fat say someone fat if you don't need either don't comment and let anybody go mm. up for it
4: i think like theater is supposed to represent is supposed to you know hold the mirror up to society and like there are a lot of fat people in the world um, and I'm one of them, and I felt like I wanted to see people like me on stage. Yeah, the mirror it holds up to society is very rarely
0: the mirror in the Marks and Spencer's changing room yeah. when I swimwear. <laughs> uh, you look at you go, what is this? Why is this mirror here? This looks that's no. not the mirror I have issue
2: with. The mirror I have issue is is where you're in H&M and they put another fucking secret mirror oh, in there. behind you. Your little sidebar of shame that they sneak in there. Yeah. yeah. And Disney. then you don't see it until you see the reflection. Like, what's my dad doing in here in my bra and my jeans?
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> do you find audiences like... Because when I used to do stand-up, that's like, I don't see it as like self-deprecating. It's like funny stories mm-hmm. about being fatter. Sometimes you get people like, oh, and I'm like, oh, no, it's not to feel sorry for me because it's not a thing I feel like I should... Do you? Are audiences like being like great or are they like no
4: it's a mix it's a mix often other people who live in fat bodies often are like whoa I can feel that and I'm feeling I'm living it with you and or I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling it's weird to see that reflected on stage I thought that was just something that I felt and then there are other people who just laugh the whole way through and don't really think of the like implication of that laughter I play a lot with audience laughter in the show but when you're laughing at me and when you're laughing with me because I think that's a big thing that people in fat bodies have to navigate in the world as being that like fat funny friend um, persona and when I'm like lean into that a little bit more and when I don't and it's also bizarre like talking about the flyering thing like you know I give someone a flyer for fatty fat fat and people are like do you think I'm fat and it's like no i just like do you want to come and see my show please <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, oh you have a title that is yeah. yeah if you go up to someone and go Fatty Fat Fat, they can go, excuse me, and yeah. you have to go, no, because
4: It's just that's- a big coat, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and people think it's my name. People say, I'm welcome, Fatty Fat Fat. <laughs> what? <laughs> and I'm like, Trick- that's, that's quite triggering, actually. <laughs> wow. So do you have
0: anything, Micah, that you feel is sort of something positive, either advice for allies and or advice for people who may feel like you, may come to any space like this. There are lots and lots of spaces that are dominated by one uh, homogenized group. Do you have any advice for feeling more powerful and feeling more feminist or for allies to create a safer, warmer, more diverse space?
5: I just think awareness is really important. And I think whilst you're here at the Fringe, even though... Some of these shows may not be something that you would normally go to. I honestly feel like you can honestly learn so much from a lot of artists that are here that are taking their everyday lives and like putting that on stage to kind of... They're just on stage like speaking their truth and they just want people to leave the theatre and maybe think about how they are in society, how you operate, the things you say, the things you think, and you coming to see a show like mine or like Katie's could mean that you leave and have a conversation with somebody else about what you've just watched, and then you have this dialogue about how things need to shift and change and how your thoughts can change. that's what I I think wonderful. Great.
0: And Katie Greenall. the same. Anything empowering for people of size who may
4: feel like the world's telling them to shrink, or anything for allies? A big thing is, as someone that's had an, got any experience with the fat narrative, came and watched the show and said to me, I've never realised a fat body could do that. I'd never realised a fat body could be on a stage and move around and tell stories and entertain in a way that I hope I do in the show. Because you're fed this narrative that fat people are lazy and disgusting and unhealthy and don't deserve to exist and should be changed. And so what I hope the show does is show that fat bodies can do anything they want and it's up to them to decide what they can and can't do and they're worthy of whatever they choose to be.
0: Closing our show today with a big number. She's a guilty feminist favourite. Put your hands together for the incredible Grace Petrie!
3: <laughs>
6: Hello! Hello, guilty Feminists, how are you doing? Oh, it's lovely to be here. My name is Grace Petrie, I am a protest singer. Thank you very much, just me and those three people. To the barricades, friends! No, what that means is that since the government changed in 2010, I've been going around the UK trying to persuade people with the aid of my songs to make voting decisions that make the world a better place. That's what I've been trying to do. Thank you very much. Yes. Do you know what? And I think, I think, we, can, I think we can all agree, can't we? I've been fucking unsuccessful so far. Goodness me. I, th- I, th- <laughs> I think, if anything, I'm making things worse, to be honest. Things are just going from bad to worse. Um, But uh, I was trying to think if I had a song around the theme of Big and I think the only thing that I've got is really the song that I do every time I come on this podcast. But... uh I always, it always seems to kind of fit in with the theme. So I guess as like a, as a, a butch lesbian, as a masculine woman, uh, I've always kind of felt a little bit like the thing that the world was encouraging me to shrink was my butchness, right? My butchness has always been very innate to me. When I was a kid, I was very masculine as well. I was a very masculine girl. And uh, obviously that hasn't sort of uh, changed much as I've grown up. But uh, I sort of was very insecure about the way I look for years and years and years because obviously of the messages that I was getting from society kind of telling me that I shouldn't be that way and I was like that for years and years and years and then something happened to me which changed my life which is that I turned 30 and I stopped giving a fuck about anything immediately Um, yeah so I wrote a song about it and it's called Black Tie which is why I'm dressed like this some of you might have thought I was on my way to a snooker match but uh So this song contains the rhyme that I'm most proud of in my entire career, um, which is a rhyme that goes, The images that fucked you were a patriarchal structure. Yes, Edinburgh! Yeah, I had a biscuit when I wrote that, I'll tell you. And what I like doing is I like doing that as a sing-along. So I'm going to sing in the images that fucked you, and you're going to reply were a patriarchal structure. Are you with me? Oh, that was about 52%, I think, wasn't it? It's called Black Tiger, it Well, it's a jungle out there. The year 2019, I didn't think we'd still be sorting babies into blue and pink and all our progress. Yeah, I wonder what it means that the only girls' clothes that work for me turn out to be boyfriend jeans. Well, that's fine. I decline and narrow several rules that just don't work, and these red lines, then are mine. If you need me, you can find me ironing my shirt, cos I'm in black tie tonight, get a postcard to my year 11 self in her year 11 hell, saying everything's gonna be all Grow out of a bit, you will find the clothes that fit and the images that fuck you. We're a patriarchal structure, and you never will surrender to a narrow view of gender. And I swear there'll come a day when you won't worry what they say on the labels on the doors. You will figure out what's yours. It's a bloody nightmare I'm Trying to fight the spread of bigotry and fear That's uniting Piers Morgan and Jermaine Greer And all our progress, Yeah, I wonder who it's for When I dare to utter that trans lives matter Yeah, and all I got was a turf war Well, that's fine, cos I decline Your narrow set of rules that just don't work If you need me, you can find me ironing my shirt Cos I'm in black tie tonight Get a postcard to my Year 11 self In her Year 11 hell Saying everything's gonna be alright No, you won't grow out of it You will find the clothes that fit And the images that fuck you patriarchal structure and you never will surrender to a narrow view of gender and I swear there'll come a day when you won't worry what they say on the labels, on the doors, you will figure out what's yours you will figure out what's yours and that it's got nothing to do with fitting neatly in a box that was constructed to make it seem Like people come in just two teams And anything that's in between Ain't good enough And you will love And you'll be loved And you're in black tie tonight Get a postcard tonight Year 11 self In her year 11 hell. Darling, everything's gonna be alright. No, you won't grow out a bit. You will find clothes that fit, and the image is the future patriarchal structure and you never will surrender to that narrow view of gender and there's folks you've yet to meet but you're exactly up their street and they've been waiting just as long to hear someone sing this song better days are on their way when it won't matter what they say on the labels on the doors you will figure out what's yours You're gonna be so happy Girl, you're gonna be just fine Girl, you're gonna be so happy Down the line, down the line Thanks for saying hello, Chip.
0: been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah francis wife, guest co-host, Kiwi Pritchard-McLean, and our very special guests, Katie Greenall, Micah Johnson, and Grace Petrie. The recording engineer was Graham Steele. The music was by Mark Hodge. The producer was Tom Selinski for The Spontaneity Shop. Thanks to Luke and Amy at Phil McIntyre, and everyone at the Pleasants, as well as all of you, for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. What, is Lena Headley or, from Game of Thrones? What is that? Her name? Lainey Heary. Hedi Hedi. I'm so sorry. I, it, that is my fault. I'm in Scotland. I should. It's complete. Yes. It's no. I know. Scottish. I know. That's why I'm. You're not Scottish. What? <laughs> <laughs> You've <laughs> caught the accent. Uh, yeah.
2: Please, please don't be- do a hate crime, Deborah. Please. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that okay. guilty
0: she's the one in the game Thrones. I don't
1: watch game Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part, they're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter.
3: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves
1: better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig.